send um, texts, gifs, whatever, things that are not appropriate while I'm teaching. And I'm like, I need to swipe that away yeah, yeah, yeah. so that I don't get distracted, which right. I still haven't. I still need to change those notifications. I keep forgetting to do it. Um, <laughs> the, but it they're it's muted. very interesting. Yeah. Um, but I guess funny thing about Adam Steph, um, if you have time, uh, a second to talk about him and sure. how we know each other. Um, he actually was a band director in Orlando, Florida, where Central, uh, UCF is. Right. And he left to go to Las Vegas or yeah, Las Nevada mm-hmm. um, because his wife got a job middle of the school year. And I was fresh out of my doctorate finishing my course. I finished my coursework. It was ABD. And that first year I was out. I was didn't have a like as you know finding college teaching jobs is pretty difficult yeah and so um i was teaching a high school in georgia just doing some lessons on the side teaching the drum line and like freelancing and doing stuff like that and he left his job in the middle of the school year and i found out about it and also this is the same high school that i went to uh, when i was in high school is it university high yeah exactly yeah university high school yep and so I was like, this is a perfect opportunity because I can go back home, um, be close to my family and all that stuff. And so I got the job, worked there for a little bit, and then I ended up here um, at uh, Northwestern State. But the other funny part was, is that um, Adam Steph was, I think it was, I, it was my junior year or senior year of high school, I don't remember. He was student teaching at uh, University of Central Florida at my high school. Okay, okay. So I, I've known him for a while um, when I was even a student and now we're like colleagues and all that stuff because yeah. we went to the same school. I took over his job. Um, and so, yeah, here he's doing amazing things over there. And he he's, is. He, he's an interesting guy to begin with, but yeah, he's great. Yes. He's, uh, he's awesome, man. He's helped me immensely. Um, just giving me the opportunity to join the staff there and uh, – the culture he's established there is something that is just, I think, a model for how you should establish a high school percussion culture. Sure. Kids are self-efficient, uh, self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. They're, they're hardworking. They're thinking. Um, they're aware. Mm-hmm. And they're all, they're all cool with each other, which is, you know, something that sometimes is the hardest thing to accomplish, really. Um, not have any problems like that and and so learning that learning how to establish that culture from him is something that I was, I was like man this is this is like a what i think they should write you know about this is the model for how mm-hmm. a culture should be and um he's only been there i think this is his sixth his year right fifth oh, or sixth well, year yeah yeah yeah. yeah, something. Well, I know he was there before doing his his masters and stuff like that, but he wasn't right. at Foothill yet. But oh, gotcha. Um, but I think he's this is going into his fifth year at Foothill, and um, he's got a machine over there, man. I'm telling you, it's it's a reputable yeah. program for sure. Yeah, he was director of bands at University High School, and the best thing that he did, obviously building up the culture, like he mentioned. Um, but since he was in charge of the band budget. I mean, the percussion budget was pretty substantial and it was right. really he- healthy. And so um, when I was there, uh, they actually had like a rosewood xylophone. They had a five octave rosewood Yamaha. They had like nice timpani and like they had everything. Like they had, I think, four different Pearl Philharmonic snare drums of different sizes Jeez. and like concert toms. Um, and it was, it was just, it was ridiculous. Uh, like for somebody 
who hadn't taught high school before walking in, into that situation. And he also started a steel band when I was there. <laughs> or, no, before I got there, like the semester or the year before I got there. And so like walk into, into that, that was like the perfect situation for oh, me yeah. at that time. So you're walking into like a euphoric situation almost. Like it's... Yeah, I could, I could pretty much program anything I wanted. The students were great. And so definitely challenged them with harder literature and stuff like that. And so yeah. it was it was great. In a way, those programs, I feel like prepare you for the collegiate level because well, I guess it depends on your collegiate uh, situation. But uh, oftentimes um, those kind of programs have high level high school players that, um, like I mentioned, that are thinking. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of them do go into what we do. And mm-hmm. so it, it's almost like arguably making you prepared for the situation that you're in now, which is obviously a hard job to get just based on the nature of the, uh, nature of the beast that is getting a college job. But, um, I, I, I don't know. That's something that I kind of thought about is that it's almost preparing you for a situation like that. Now, obviously there's more, um, there, there's pros and cons to both sides. I, I feel like dealing with parents and all that kind of stuff on the high school <laughs> side is, is its own beast, but sure. And then you have your own beast in the, in the, in the college situation, which maybe you could, uh, maybe you could expand on that. Like, how do you feel? What do you feel like was the biggest thing that you had to deal with going into a job like this? Um, going into high school or going to college? College. Um, all right. So I think the biggest change I had to do pedagogically in my mind was I had to realize that it wasn't high school anymore, meaning to the point where these are now young adults and they need to figure stuff out for themselves. Um, I was kind of still on the mindset of uh, we, we had a pretty competitive marching band. We were doing the indoor drumline thing as well. We were um, just doing things at the high school level, like performing at the day of percussion. Um, my eventual goal, well, actually, uh, well, one of my eventual goals was if I were to stay at that high school um, to perform at PASIC. Um, one of the things that happened uh, the semester before I left is that I recorded my students. I applied for them to play at the um, music educators convention that following year. Um, and then I left. And so like, I got them prepared, or at least I got us accepted. Right. And then, then I left and I, I felt terrible because it, like we were building up to this. Um, but anyways, all of that to say is that uh, at the high school level, I felt like I was, I needed to not like spoon feed them a little bit more, but definitely like train them in a certain way so that um, like kind of like you were saying about Adam stuff, kind of more machine like so that they knew what to do. But yes. I was more so telling them how to do it. Um, right. going, to the, going to the college level, I kind of had to, I couldn't take I tried taking those same ideas because I knew they worked. Like I knew how I could make the drum line sound good. I knew how I could um, make the percussion ensemble like really, really good through the rehearsals and everything. But it was hard for me to kind of let go of that. I'm not saying I'm like a control freak or anything, um, but definitely I like structure when it comes to things. And 100%. Um, definitely I had to let them figure some stuff out on their own. Right. Uh, and so, um, so, you know, like Mr. Green here, who's been here forever, um, definitely helped me realize that a little bit sooner than I was ready to uh, let go. Um, but that, that was a huge change, um, especially for ensemble rehearsals, because um, just like in the high school, they, uh, it, it was th- band was something on the side, but band was their only musical outlet. And so they enjoyed it a little bit more. Um, and, whatever but 
obviously people who do it for college are enjoying it because they want to uh, do it. But now they have music theory. Now they have class piano. Mm. Now they have oral skills and yeah. all this other stuff that stretches them thin. Lessons, ensembles, and everything that stretches them pretty thin musically. And so they're getting their fill in other areas, not just band or percussion like they did in high school. And so having that change um, kind of had, had to rewire my brain to make sure that they still got the stuff that they needed, but then still also enjoyed themselves. Because um, as you know, when, when you were going through school and I, I, I may have been the same way, or you may have been the same way, I know I was the same way. It was definitely a lot harder to uh, get all that stuff done when all I did when high school was like pretty much banned and was fun stuff like that and uh guido's hand out all this music history stuff that yeah. i don't really re remember <laughs> I, anymore i was the same way though i mean i was i was um i i don't know i i, I became very um i don't know how to explain it i wasn't very detailed going into college and then uh, something i mentioned this before on the podcast but i something just clicked one day and I don't, I don't know what it was. And then I felt like I had to get everything done. And then when you can't, sometimes you just can't. And then you right. know, sometimes professors don't understand that and, you know, whatever. And so that was probably the biggest, I guess the biggest change for me was like, I basically just saying I, I was the same way. I, I was very like, got to get it done, got to get it done, got to gotta get it done and stressed out beyond belief. And then mm. you go to March band, you're like, oh man, it's just another thing for me to do when it used to be, it used to be that outlet. It used to be like, right. I grew up in Texas and Florida's I'm sure is actually the exact same way. It's very competitive and it's very, mm -hmm. um, this is what we do kind of thing. And so, um, but I, you mentioned, uh, the music, ed music educators conference there is that's pretty comparable to, to TMEA, is it not? Or is it? Yes. And so I don't know if you've ever been to LMEA before in Baton Rouge. <laughs> All right. So um, coming from uh, FMEA, that's, that's the only music convention that I, or conference that, music educators conference that I was used to. Uh -huh. So when I came to LMEA and at the Crown uh, Royal, Crown Plaza, whatever, hotel, whatever. In Baton Rouge. Yeah. yeah and I walked into it. I was like, like where, where's the rest of it? um because <laughs> no, i, I that. <laughs> yeah because and then i went to tmea as well and like this is what i'm used to and actually tmea is like just 10 times bigger than fmea um but definitely it's a little bit it's just obviously different uh, states have different fundings and different idea ideology when it comes to music education but right. yeah texas and florida are definitely a little bit the same in that regard yeah nevada uh nevada's was similar to lmea um mm. And then at that point, I was like, all right, I've been to LMEA, so I, I know how it is at this point. But <laughs> right. the TMEA is just nothing but just a giant hang and um, right. lots of great clinics, great performances. Um, you want to talk about cultures of high school programs, the ones that are on display there are insane. Right. Um, I heard this past year's uh, was had some great high school percussion ensembles and like Man, you know, as I get um, more, I, I guess, further away from being a student, more of a, in the professional world, um, there's something about, well, I guess taking the mindset of, of Dean, my teacher at UNLV, mm -hmm. uh, was uh, the coaching aspect of what we do. Mm. Um, and me being a sports fan, that, that, that kind of resonates with me and playing sports as a kid, but... Um, 
that, I guess, kind of mentality, that coach's mentality of like, man, getting these kids to understand how great they could be, like the potential. Because for mm. instance, the situation I'm in now, the I do a part-time like little uh, teaching gig for a private school and um, they, they've never had a consistent percussion instructor they've never you know they just kind of done like the drumline thing with beats and stuff you know it's just sure and so getting getting them to slowly understand what their potential could be is uh that's probably one of the most motivating factors of what we do is is what i've come to find it's not all about results it's more about guiding these kids along a path of understanding like this could be like you could do this it's i i can help you get there but you have to put the work in kind of thing and so right i i that's arguably what what i guess draw draws me to a college position um hmm. too is you know taking taking a young adult at that point and maybe they don't understand the potential then and being like well here's the way you know what i'm saying so it's it's something that that educating is that that mindset's kind of changed for me, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. So, are you planning on going on to get your doctorate, or are you gonna at some s- point? Okay. Yeah, I I don't know where or when, but um, sure, definitely, definitely when everything settles. Um, sure. In the world, uh, it's uh, it's been very interesting. Um. You know, at this point, I thought, you know, I would be back in Vegas um, at mm. this point. But, um, you know, things just, it kind of drew me back here. And thankfully it did because, you know, some stuff I'm glad I was here for. And uh, being from Houston and being from such a big city, you mm. you forget when you're away from it how big it is. So sure. the opportunities here have been, have been pretty good. And, you know, I, I figure once the dust settles across the board um, with, you know, conventions coming back and, and all that kind of stuff. Maybe I'll, I'll look into it then. Um, okay. Right now I'm, I'm enjoying the break from school. For, I, I for did, sure. I did straight through. So, right. Yeah. Did you and that's straight one, through. Yeah. That's one thing I, I did. So undergrad master's doctorate. Um, that's one thing. If I were to do it again, I might take the break like you're doing now mm. just to get some more real work real world experiences yeah um because i guess it's great that i have the degrees but at the same time like the practical side of just working and like playing and doing other stuff um was definitely something that i wish i had more um like especially going into the doctorate so that all the stuff that i was learning um all the theories and pedagogy i can say like well i already have my idea of what it is like how does it need or how can it change um, through all this other stuff that my professor is teaching me because he has different viewpoints as well right and so my viewpoints were pretty much what my undergrad teacher taught me what my master's teacher taught me because I had hadn't I wasn't able to apply it yet myself and so obviously yeah. after after I finished my doctorate coursework I then was teaching and doing other stuff before I got the college job and so I was finally able to apply that stuff right but it was it would have been nice to have those discussions before I finished up my classes so that I can I guess kind of firm those ideas earlier on than trying to figure it out after everything was done right yeah I mean um, Vegas the Vegas experience was unique in that way because it's such a entertainment and music sure. driven city that you could kind of apply the stuff at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I, I can only imagine if I did my, my undergrad there, how, how many experiences I would have had. But mm. um, where did you do your master's? Uh, University of Arkansas. Arkansas. Okay, who's mm-hmm. there? Uh, Chal Ragsdale. He's, he's, I think he was the only, he's been there for like 30 plus years, something yeah. like that. He's the only second percussion teacher that's been there. Wow. And so same with Dean second, at UNLV. That's funny. Nice. Yeah. 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 The stories I hear about Dean and like, he, he's like a lawyer too and all that. It's yeah. like, how can you do all of that? Like, <laughs> this is crazy. Like Very I don't have enough time of the day. Yeah, for sure. Well, he, Tim Jones does a lot too. He's okay. technically coordinator of percussion studies, but um, oh, okay. the uh, Dean's just, you know, there wouldn't be a, the alumni network or the program there if Dean had been there and uh, is sure. still there. He's doing mostly with work with grads. Okay. Um, and which was something that I had to get used to as well. McNeese, did, we didn't have grads. Right. Um, I don't, does Northwestern have grads? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we, we didn't have grads. And so understanding that um, that role was something I had to get used to, but um, sure. Because, I mean, it, at a certain point when you got in, in your career at McNeese, it, it was kind of like you're the you're the GA, you're the TA kind of thing, like mm-hmm. when you got to those later years. But um, going from that to a grad student, it was um, it was interesting, to say the least. <laughs> For was, sure. I just didn't understand. I was like, what? wait a second, what? You know, there, there's, a, there's a difference here. I mean, there wasn't a huge difference. I mean, we... We were obviously the leaders in the studio, but um, mm-hmm. they're they're, you know, having that. I guess the grad culture and the undergrad culture that was something I had to had to get used to. But um, the as far as like I guess the the master's experience for me being in Vegas, I I didn't really fully understand the you the uniqueness of it until I was there. Because mm-hmm. uh, the way Dean pitched it to me, he was like, well, we have the best, we have the biggest and best laboratory here for your okay. grad work. Uh-huh. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, we have the strip. And he was like, we, we get people playing mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And you'll meet people who play. And he was right. I met Alex Stopo, Ryan Harrison, all these people. And nice. Um, Larry Averman and uh, Kirk Russman. And I was, and I was like, you know, I was like, okay, I mean, this is a very unique situation that I need to take advantage of. I, I tried to as mm-hmm. much as I could. Obviously, the, the grad work gets in the way, but um, but that was something that I was very thankful for, that, that opportunity to kind of a, apply it at the same mm-hmm. time. Sure. Uh, maybe not the counterpoint class I took, but <laughs> <laughs> the uh, you, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> right, right, for sure. Yeah. And then doctor was at, uh, at Iowa, right? Yes, that's correct. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. How was that experience? I've, I've heard great things. Um, it Obviously, each school was a little bit different. Um, the biggest shock for me was um, coming from sunny Florida. For some reason, I kept making my way more north. Yeah. Um, just the, those <laughs> Iowa winters were definitely just a Ooh, man. Big, big, big change. Um, but my assistantship was with the drumline. So going to the big 10 football games Oh, awesome! and, and having that like in Kinnick stadium, it was uh, amazing. Um, I remember like one of my favorite football games was my first year in 2008. Um, like Penn state was ranked number three in the nation. And I, I don't remember if we were ranked at all or if we were just like, 
like obviously in the top 25 and this is before the playoff series that they have now hold but we kicked uh, i don't remember how far the field goal was but we we it was like three seconds left on the clock actually well we kicked the field goal but you know they call the timeouts to uh, ice to kicker um and they they call the timeout but it was as he was kicking so we actually kicked it and he missed <laughs> and so like ice and the kicker can work if you like get in their head and stuff like that yeah but they did it hap- the opposite happens because he knew what to fix right. because he missed the first time. And so three seconds left on the clock or whatever it was, we kicked the field goal and we won the game and like, like took them off of their um, like uh, champ- national championship uh, oh hopes. <laughs> and so it was crazy. I, I remember I um, the, the bracket busters there. Jeez. Yeah. I remember, I, I think it was one of my students um, like had their phone out for some reason and like video recorded us playing like right after the fight song, right after, and we were going crazy. And I remember just me like jumping around like an idiot. <laughs> if I, 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 that video is somewhere on Facebook, but um, it, it was just one of those crazy experiences, especially if you're into sports, as yeah. being there and like being the underdog and then beating them very last minute. It, it was crazy. The energy of those games um, is something I'm, I'm a little jealous of because uh, – being in the Southland Conference, which you've probably seen by now, is mm. uh, is not quite the energy <laughs> no. that the Big Ten or the SEC provides or Big Twelve, but um, UCF's an ACC, right? American, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, American, yeah. Um, with U of H, um, the <laughs> it's not quite the same, right? Um, had a little bit of trouble selling tickets, but sure. It, you know, it, it was something I was a little jealous of seeing my friends at, you know, Texas A&M or, or uh, UT or, or um, places like that. Or I think even, um, I think even, you know, like uh, LSU now, I mean, Ty, Ty, Ty Ellender over there and he's doing the drum line over there with Spencer Jones. Oh, right. And, and uh, seeing them go through that entire playoff experience was something i was super jealous because right. i love football and i was mm. like man that stadium is electric well we we tried uh to play at lsu but <laughs> it got rained out so i uh, gotcha uh, it got rained out i think 2015 it was like the first game that's ever been canceled at death valley since like 19 oh wow or something like wow that. and we're like of course so <laughs> man that's crazy though i i met uh i met tyler swick in vegas um, yeah did you go to school with him um he started the year after i left um okay. but like he was around that summer before i left to go to georgia and so we hung out a couple of times went to dinner um, but oh, he's, very nice. he's a great amazing pan player he's a little he's a little eccentric sometimes but definitely a great guy so. oh yeah dude he he is um he's a monster pan player he played he, he lives back in vegas now i think he's from there originally but Mm-hmm. Um, teaches elementary school and mm-hmm. gigs around the pan, and he's just a beast, man. He's awesome. Sure, he's incredible. Um, so how's it? How's it looking for you guys? Um, as far as the uh, like, are y'all in person class? Are y'all online? What's the What's the deal there? Uh, so for the university, um, about half the students are online or doing some sort of hybrid. Half of them, um, around like 4,000 or so, are on campus do, taking classes. Um, but for me, all my classes are pretty much normal. 
like um, which are ensembles, lessons. And I, this semester I'm teaching a percussion pedagogy class and all that stuff is still in person. So we're just masking up social distancing and hand sanitizing um, when they walk into the room and everything like that. Yeah. So everything's pretty normal, except for my glasses fog up all the time when I'm trying to talk to them and I can't <laughs> see a thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty normal. But the weirdest thing is, and so in the music building, usually like people are just hanging out, practicing, um, like studying in the hallways or wherever, like the building is quiet. Dead, except, yeah. yeah, except for when there are rehearsals or classes. And so actually right now I, I can faintly hear it through my headphones, but I'm actually surprised somebody's in the room next door practicing timpani, oh. which like I've been here on the weekends. Uh, like last weekend I came up here to do a recording session and nobody was here at all. Like the building was open, like nobody was practicing. Um, maybe they don't know that it's okay to come practice. I need to remind them that, Hey, you should still practice when you yeah. can. Please um, do. But uh, yes, exactly. Um, but it's just, it's eerie that there's no like sign of life at Activity. all. Like, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. well, I mean, definitely a big change. Were you, uh, what, what were you recording? I remember you mentioned that last week. Were you recording the Joe David Moore piece that you were? Yes. Yeah. 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 I and was so keeping I, up with that. That's a great piece. I think. Yeah. He, he did a like a mini video of it or something like that. Or... Uh, yeah, he he initially recorded it himself um, back okay. in like April or something like that, and then right. posted it. Um, his stuff is awesome, man. I I I messed around with his um his um the daily snare drum etudes where he did yeah the um, snare drum like the year the year long study or whatever yeah the year long like, study yeah for it's called yeah I was telling I think I was telling Caleb this. I was like, man, that is, that's a beast of a, yeah, of a project. <laughs> wake up every day and be like, all right, well, I'm going to write a snare drum eight <laughs> Like, that's, I mean, there's, the stuff is awesome. I think I have the March one. And I gotcha. was like, and that's right when the, when the pandemic hit. And I was like, well, right. I got something to do. <laughs> For sure. My recital got canned and I was like, well, I guess I can do this now. Um, but, his stuff is awesome, man. I, I yeah. uh, what were you recording that piece for again? Um, we had a faculty showcase concert. Um, okay. we do it we do it every year, but obviously this year with COVID, we decided to just do a live stream. Okay. And so like half of the faculty members actually performed for an empty um, recital hall. Um, and it was really awkward watching the live stream because they would bow at the end, you know, because that's to what no we applause. do. To no applause, it was just dead silent. Yeah. And so I, I guess I could have been on the live stream clapping at home, but yeah. they would have, they would have heard that anyways. Um. Anyways, the second half of the concert was recorded material, okay. and so I recorded uh, that being black piece by Joe Moore. So. It's awesome. Um, quick, like a quick thing about the snare drum thing that you, since you brought up his uh, books, yeah. um, it's funny. I don't know if he'll actually listen to this uh, because. You know, who knows what people do, so. but hey, Joe, hopefully, hopefully you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell him I, I did a shout out to him. But yeah, um, there was a time that year that uh, we were together. I think we were like doing some duo stuff, whether recording or performing. I don't remember exactly what we were, what we were doing. Um, but he would write one every day. But then sometimes he would write two or three a day because he fell behind on the schedule. Right. And so there is one for each day um, that you can play, but he didn't necessarily write them on that particular day right. because life happens and whatnot. Of course. 
Um, and the, I guess something that, I guess with that, something that happened that kind of changed uh, for him, obviously this stuff is for your faculty productivity so that when you go up for tenure and promotion or whatever, you have stuff like, hey, I've done all these things. I wrote a series of uh, snare drum solos, whatever. Um, but a thing that happened around that same time was that he had his first kid, or mm -hmm. I guess his only kid right now, since he doesn't have two uh -huh. yet. Yet, um, uh, but uh, that kind of like when you're a new parent and I obviously I'm going through this now, especially with the pandemic that just happened, just being at home with your kid more often because or with your family more often because that's your responsibility. Right. And I and that was part of his outlet to make sure that he's still creative and doing more things because there was a time and I think I remember him saying uh, he stopped writing for a little bit because of his job that he was doing. Um, it didn't allow him to do that. But then since he couldn't necessarily practice as much um, because he was at home more, he decided to do like, hey, why don't I do this as well? Um, and hopefully it'll be a resource for percussionists for a whole year. Right. So, Well, it's awesome stuff. Yeah, I, yeah hopefully, hopefully that's right. Hopefully he doesn't <laughs> listen to this and quote me or like say that I mentioned bad material, which I probably am. But He'll, he'll just bash you on Facebook. It's no big deal, dude. Yeah. Well, it's I'm, at least we're not. So Joe and I are, are really, really good friends. We're in a right. duo. At least we're not like Caleb and Chris or Pius or Casey. Right. We're very, we're, we're friendly toward each other. We actually like each other. So yeah. Good. <laughs> the, the, uh, those are some of my favorite interactions on, on Facebook, just keeping up with the, uh, the, the little, the little digs at each other that right. uh, all those guys have. But uh, <laughs> I think, uh, I think Manny, mentioned the same thing about joe and he was like yeah you know he it, life happens is basically what you were saying right <laughs> that's what i would that's what i couldn't i guess uh fathom i was like man i have trouble just sometimes even just transcribing like eight measures without getting distracted <laughs> sure and, and you know you got a million things running through your mind but it's awesome work man it's it's great stuff the uh he was, I, I think I met him, I met him like four or five years ago somewhere. I can't remember where, uh, but I don't, I don't know him. I don't know him, but he, he seems like a great okay. guy. Seems like a yeah. good guy. Let's take a quick second to pause the episode to talk about how you can support the podcast even further. Thank you for listening for one thing, but another thing is how you can support is a monthly subscription to the podcast it's just 99 cents a month it goes directly to me and i can use that money to buy more equipment video equipment recording equipment and it goes directly back into the podcast so if you could click that support link in the description below i would greatly appreciate it back to the episode i was looking i was looking at um Oh, you are with Sabian. That's right. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. I love their stuff. I didn't. I hadn't played their stuff until I got to UNLV. So, even though you have a Zildjian symbol behind you, I know. Yeah, <laughs> Oops. it's fine. I can just tell tell from the logo. Yeah, the, uh... Where is it? Yeah. There it is. Is that like? Oh wait, no. That's uh, not... nice. This is yeah. Uh... Yeah. This is a. This one is a 21-inch 21 21-inch 21 K-Custom Organic Ride. Uh, oh, nice. The one that Papatrillo designed. And then nice. um, a medium-thin 18-inch Crash, 14-inch uh, mm. K-Sweet Hats, 
Sweet. <laughs> Sorry. So, oh, my God. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, and then I, my other crash is somewhere around there. Um, I need more symbols. Nice. That's, that's a big fact. Um, yeah. I wish they weren't so expensive. Oh. I know. I know. It's... I, I, and the thing is, is like, I have all these sounds in my head when I hear, you know, when I hear stuff and it, like, I hear beats in my mm-hmm. head or something, whatever. And I'll sit down to play. And I'm like, oh, I don't have that sound. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. And I look it up and it's like, oh, it's a million dollars. Yeah. Can't afford it. The, uh, how long have you been in Northwestern now? Uh, just started my sixth year. Sixth year? So, wow. It's been six yep. years. Crazy. Yeah. The crazy part is with that is that I go up for a tenure and promotion this year. And so um, that's kind of scary and nerve wracking, but hopefully I've done the things I need to do so that yeah. the committee reviews my files. They'd be like, yes, this guy, we should keep him around and we should promote him to associate professor. So I know that's intimidating. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, that, that to me is one of the scariest parts, I guess, of, of y'all's gig is, Mm. is that aspect of it, which I don't know. I I feel like if, if you, if you do enough and and you're doing a lot, uh, I feel like it's, it most of the time goes noticed and um, you're rewarded Mm -hmm. in that way, but uh, best of luck to you. I'm sure you'll, you'll be fine from (laughs) everything. Everybody hears about you. So it's, it's going to be, I think it's gonna be good for you, but um, the, that's crazy. Six years. I marched with, um, I marched stars with Addison Pellegrino. Oh, nice. And he's awesome. He's a, yeah, he's great. Great player. The, uh, I know he's a Dallas kid. And I guess y'all, y'all get a lot of Dallas connections, I guess from it's the nearest Texas city kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. We have a, our big music program is music education. And so we have, a lot of alumni out there doing things and hopefully a lot of them send their uh, students back to us. Uh, right. And then most of our students, like I said, are music ed. So we have this, hopefully this nice cycle of more students going out and sending their students back. Mm-hmm. And so um, like he, he's, uh, where did Addison go to school? Uh, I can't remember, but it's it in the Dallas Fort Worth area. It wasn't Cleburne, was it? Oh, it's Centennial, Centennial High School. Centennial, that's right. Yeah. We actually have a mutual percussion instructor um, in high school, Quincy Jarman. I okay. taught him, mm-hmm. and then Quincy came to Deer Park and taught me. Okay. And uh, that was weird hearing, like, we were commenting on the same thread on Facebook, and I was like, wait a second, y'all know each other? <laughs> gotcha. Such a small world, but. Um, so, sorry, are you from the DFW area then? No, I'm Houston area. So, oh, okay. Yeah, the I'm from Deer Park, which is the southeast side, um, mm-hmm. and uh, Texas 6A. Well, at, at my time, it was a 5A, but Texas 6A high school, and you know, big, a lot of kids, um, big band program. Sure. I think at one time we were sitting at about 375. Oh wow! Oh and, my. Um, but to be honest with you, I think our thing was really concert band. Huh. Um, we were really into that. We were playing like, we were playing some pretty high level literature when I was there. Uh, I remember playing a lot of to Kelly, uh, like, hmm. you know, higher level to Kelly and a lot of, a lot of, uh, marches and, you know, the UIL list is right. Has, has its 
you know, you pick and choose, but um, yeah, it was weird. I feel like our main thing was really the concert band thing. We took it really seriously in the spring and uh, we didn't do indoor. I, I didn't do indoor. I've only taught indoor. So hmm. that's one interesting thing about my path is that I never did indoor, despite how much, <laughs> how much marching band I did, which maybe you can relate is that I mm -hmm. never did indoor. And mm -hmm. so teaching it you're like geez man 12 hour rehearsal days on a saturday <laughs> like, right and uh you know and, and at least i'm in the position to be getting paid for that time where they're <laughs> you know they're right. taking up their saturday but did you do indoor um i did it in high school i never did it in college but yeah. then i ta i taught it uh when i was teaching high school did you do you did drum corps though right mm -hmm. that's right you did um uh, Southwind and then Boston Crusaders. That's right. Yes. Because you you came to McNeese, um, I think, when you were but, doing your last bit of your doctorate. Yeah. Well, it was my first year here at uh, Northwestern. Right. So, like, 2015-16. Yes. Yeah. It was around, yeah, my third, yeah, my third year. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, you did a recital. I think, yeah, you mentioned you did Boston, which is mm -hmm. awesome. The... What years was that? Twenty. Uh, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I wish it was. I'm not that young. Um, I I aged out in '05, and I was with Boston in '04 and '05, and then Southland in '03. Awesome. So thank you for the extra five years. You're welcome, man. Uh, or six years of age, uh, whatever. But hey, man, it's I'm not that young. <laughs> here to hype you up. Here to hype you up, and you know, give you, <laughs> give you a little, give you a little age, uh, age gap, and then, you yeah. Know, uh, I was talking to one of my students the other day, and they thought I was thirty. I'm like, "Thank you, thank Th you, yeah, thank you." Well, yeah. you do look younger than thirty. So. <laughs> uh, I get that all the time too. I, I was playing a gig last night, and mm -hmm. um, I was drinking white wine because that's what I do. And mm -hmm. uh, they, this lady was watching me play. I was playing like a little pop percussion setup and you know some cajon and stuff like that and uh, mm -hmm. took a sip of the wine and this lady was like are you even old enough to drink that and i was like i'm 25 she's like no way i'm like i swear <laughs> i'm 25 and uh so i get that like all the time I'm, they're like because i look like i'm 18 which is fine I guess. <laughs> but but that's also that's also uh, none of her business, and so. Hundred <laughs> percent. Thank you, Oliver. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so tell me, tell me about this um, role you play in in Percussive Arts Society, which you're repping right now. You got the shirt on and everything. And, oh yeah. Um, tell me, tell me about the role you you play in 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 PAS. Gotcha. Uh, I guess the, oh. I think when you were still here, I was the pre I became the president of the chapter yes. here, um, and then uh, that's a three-year term, and so that's over. But uh, there were some projects that I wanted to see to completion, like uh, we had an LMEA thing um, going on, uh, presentation or whatever. Um, but then I decided to run for vice president, and so right now Gustavo Miranda from Nichols uh, State. He's uh, awesome. Uh, we joke around because th they have the same initials as us, NSU. Yeah. And so we, we joke around who's the real NSU and who's the fake NSU. They're obviously the fake NSU. Um, but anyways, uh, he's now the president. He's doing a great job. And then I think tre uh, treasurer is uh, Brian Nosny uh, at McNeese. Yep. 
Um, secretary is, I'm trying to remember if I get the right, I feel bad that I don't remember who's in what role, but I know uh, Brett Landry at ULL is an officer as well. And yeah. then, um, oh, I can't remember his name right now. He teaches down in the Lake Charles area. Now he used to be in Alexandria. Oh, James man. Norman? Yes, thank you. Yeah, James. My buddy James, yes. Yes. Sorry, I, f- I feel really bad. If James, if you listen to this, I'm sorry. I forgot well, he doesn't name. have any social media. He's off the grid kind of guy. Oh, so. okay. Yeah. Well, then let's what... talk about him a little more. I'm just yes. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and uh, so like those guys are great. Um, and I know uh, we're trying to do more things within the state. So that was my first um, venture into some sort of, I guess, extra, not extra, but like leadership role within PAS because before I was just a regular member um, and just going to PASIC and going to the percussion percussion and doing those things. Um, But then in uh, 2015, actually, I guess that's not true because the first thing I did was I joined the education committee um, in 2015, uh, right when I got this job. And so uh, I was teaching high school and I thought like, hey, um, there's a lot of stuff that I see within percussion education at the high school level because I wasn't teaching college yet that I want to hopefully make a difference. And so I decided to join the education committee. And then that same year I became a college teacher. And so my, like we talked about earlier, like the differences between teaching high school and college, um, that's changed my viewpoint of what the education committee can do. Right. Um, and then this last year, we're talking about the actual leadership stuff is um, Pete DeSalvo, who was the committee chair for the education committee, um, stepped down because this term was ending and I applied for that and I got it and I actually started this January. And so um, it's been interesting because um, I definitely like enjoy the leading people, but it's kind of weird for me because I'm in a committee full of other college professors, other people who are doing great things in percussion. And I feel like I'm a nobody. I'm like imposter syndrome. Possibly. Yeah. Yes, ex- exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, like we talk about that a lot on this podcast. <laughs> or for sure, for yeah. sure. Um, but like one of the committee members is John Wooden, um, who teaches oh, okay. at uh, uh, Southern Miss. The like, doc. Yes, exactly. Dr. Throwdown. Um, but anyways, like he, he's a person that I, when I was an undergrad, I studied out of his rudimental book. Yeah. And um, he also went to the University of Iowa, got his doctorate there. And I went to the University of Iowa and got my doctorate there. And just seeing that like he's somebody I look up to. And now I'm on a committee with them. Now you're a colleague and you know, yeah. And yeah. that, and I, I'm sending emails to him and saying, Hey, like, this is what we're doing with the committee. And I feel like I'm not saying I'm in, I'm in charge of him or any of the committee members, right. but it seems weird to be like the one telling them stuff as opposed to like, Hey, teach me how to play drums better. Still. Like, like I'm already using your books. I feel like I'm still the student right. um, and they're the teachers, but it, it's uh, definitely a different role. But it's been great. Um, the biggest thing that happened, uh, I guess, th- that I've done um, was, uh, so each year there's committee openings. And uh, I didn't know this at the time, but then I learned that we can have the committee as whatever size we want, mm. which, is, which is great. So it's not limited to like 10 or 15 people. Um, but uh, the committee before this year, we had three people roll off and end, end their term. And so there were actually 30 people who applied for uh, the vacancies or just for the positions in general. And so um, it was something that I wanted to do to make sure I, we make sure we pick the right people is that they obviously sent their applications with a resume and the letter of intent or whatever. 
but they also I also decided to call each and every single person, which was nice because it also helped out that it was during the quarantine lockdown part. Mm-hmm. And so I was there um, at home holding my son with my headphones in, walking around um, and interviewing all these people. Um, but that was that was a big I guess change in my role as the chair. Careful, um, who can serve on that committee? And I couldn't take all thirty. There's no way I was going to take all thirty people, even though all thirty of them could have been on the committee because they all had right. a great passion for music education and PAS and all that. How many chairs uh, are there? Uh, how, how many cha- like committee chairs or how many? Or what was oh, it, sorry, what how many how many spots are there? I guess on the committee. All right. So. Um, there are like the, I guess the spots are open. And so I decided three people rolled off and there were eight people that actually took on. Um, so there were five extra people than there were before um, because I thought from their resume and from talking to them, they were a great fit for the committee. Right. And so that was definitely hard to do um, to pick those people and sending those emails. Cause I've never been in a part of a, like an employer a position where you have to say i'm like sorry you didn't get the job yeah but it was definitely hard sending those emails because some like a lot of those guys are friends of mine um that i had to tell them like sorry like like just all that stuff um uh-huh. that goes with re- rejection I, that's kind of hard to say but <laughs> um but that was definitely something a learning process for me so hopefully next year when i do it again because it is a yearly thing because more pe- more people roll on and off each year um i'll hopefully be a little bit better at it and then um maybe i guess more sympathetic to the people um that are applying then don't get get it um but the other big thing um and hopefully you've seen it because it just started last month is that um i had this idea actually i started it with the louisiana chapter when i was president here to do short clips um, I guess the new version is the PAS classroom. Um, short educational clips are like quick tips um, so that as you're scrolling through Facebook, Instagram, you can learn something about percussion very, very quickly and then go on and watch your videos about cats or dogs or babies right. or, what, or, or, or whatever. Right. Um, and so, um, when, like I said, when I was Louisiana chair, I started that, but that was all me doing it because it was my brainchild of an idea. Right. And that just took, um, as you know, with like editing and recording, that took so much time Man. with everything else going on, even though it was only a one minute clip of like, all right. But then um, my idea was I don't want to edit so much where like every other word is like, or every other like sentence is like cut and you can see the cuts. And right. so I, I remember just getting frustrated trying to say like, this is how you hold a tambourine and then go on and say the other stuff and then mess up what I was going to say. Right. It's actually it's actually kind of funny. The thing I mess up most when I do these videos is saying my name, <laughs> which you don't say your name too often no, because no. it's it's weird. And so I'm I just say hi, my name's Oliver Molina, and like and I always mess that up somehow. Yeah, for me for me it's always it's always the the turnaround in between the first and last name. Sure, so I'm Josh Hartwell, and then like but <laughs> it always end up being like I'm Josh Hart, Josh Hart. <laughs> I just listen to podcasts, <laughs> all right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, I did like, I think like six or seven or maybe five or six videos for the state chapter. And that was in the spring semester of last year. And then I was like, I'm, I can't do this. And anyway. I can't keep this up weekly because I wanted to keep it going. Um, and so, man, I, that I had to go to wayside. I had to go to weekly because it, it went, it was too much 
of a turnaround to mm. uh, to like edit, do everything, and then post it that night kind of thing. Or right. if, like, if I did a late night one, um, man, it was just you know. So I I I try to do weekly. And it was it was Wednesdays, <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, I've just everybody's been busy again, so it's easier to do it on the weekends now. But um, right, my I don't know if you you mentioned like the the cut after every sentence thing. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of like what YouTube has turned into. Like if mm-hmm. you watch a YouTube video of like a vlogger or something like that, like the cut, right, no, it's not yep. it's not it's not one shot. Well, it is one shot, but like they to make the video shorter, cut they'll cut it up, and mm-hmm. which saves time, I guess, especially for Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. But it, that that takes that's tedious. That's a lot of time for and sure, like, dude. I'm it, I once I got the recording thing down, going mm-hmm. from I'm like sweet, I got this down, and now you're trying now I'm trying to video edit, and that's a whole other beast, right? For and, sure. And so, on on top of on top of everything, it was like, dang it! I, the editing part of the video is is just as much. So, I, I definitely can relate to what you're saying. So, um, yeah, something that I guess, not saying this is a bad thing, uh, but if you remember or saw like when Rob Knopper first came onto the social media scene, yeah, he had a ton of content. And it was great content. But the thing that um, was a little jarring to watch his videos is that he would cut so much mm-hmm. or change like zoom in and zoom out that obviously it kept your attention because you're mm-hmm. like, oh, there's something different. But it was just so um, just broken up that it was just hard to follow along a little bit yes. sometimes. And so that's why I, I, did, agree. I did. Yeah, yeah I, that's what I didn't want to do. And so I got more frustrated with doing takes of like just one minute of talking but it had to be perfect. Um, and this is what I, I told my committee members is like, just practice what you're going to say. Just think of it as um, a recording studio or going to the recording studio versus playing a performance live. Right. And so hopefully that idea of performing live where you practiced it or you've rehearsed what you're going to say so much that you can just do it in one take and not have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, going back to this idea with the PAS classroom. And actually I'm excited because I got an email about it yesterday, which I'll tell Ooh. you in a second. Nice. Um, but the idea, obviously, for the education committee, um, we want to help. Uh, there, are, obviously, there's a bunch of committees like keyboard committee, symphonic committee, marching committee, um, but our focus is, um, mainly is towards the uh, primary and secondary instructors and teachers, and so like high school, middle school, elementary school, all that stuff, um, because we feel like there are times that a lot of stuff within PAS. Uh, is toward the college student or the college professor and like the professionals, just older people who are more advanced and um, have those skill levels. And so we wanted to create a video series that was for those um, people who are probably non-percussionist band directors or people like students who could be watching this and like, oh, I didn't realize I could do this. And now I have this one minute quick tip that I could watch and really apply. but uh, that that was the main gist of it. Uh, I finally, I remember mentioning at PASIC last November, and then we finally had subcommittee meetings, and it finally started last month where we got everything going and posted our first video. Yes. Um, and it's definitely, like, just from 
everyone being busy and going back to school, I wish we had started it a little bit earlier because definitely all my committee members are like maxed out. And then now I'm asking them to do something on top of everything else that's going on. And so some committee members um, are, have been able to turn stuff in so far, um, but some have definitely emailed me, sorry, like, hey, sorry, um, school's been crazy. I'll get to it soon and all that right. stuff, which is, which is to totally fine. Um, but the cool thing that happened, and this was actually what I uh, was hoping going to have happen, is that I got an email yesterday from the chair of the university student committee. I think that's the actual name. Uh, yeah, university student committee. Um, and um, what my end goal was is that hopefully once we got our the education committee side of it going, got maybe a few months in, and people saw um, the effect uh, or the effectiveness of these, the other committee members would, or other committees would be like, hey, can we do this too? Because it's, it's already set up. We have like the intro, we have like background music. All we have to do literally is plug in the video, edit maybe a few clips if it's like too long of them, yeah. them talking and then put the, put the outro video. And the, the committee chair of the, or sorry, the university student committee uh, emailed me yesterday and said, hey, we see that you guys have already done this. This is something that we would like to help out and join and do stuff. And so again, my end goal is obviously get videos out and content out, but then get other committees, like there's 16 standing committees uh, for PAS Jeez. and that all of them maybe create some content. And so again, hopefully a lot less work for my, for my committee members because now they don't have to create videos every month. And now we have like something that I'm excited about, like the world percussion or the technology right. committee are uh, now submitting videos that like I'll, I'll love to watch because I'm learning something new too. Like yes. learning about Conical on um, like how to play Indian rhythms. Like I don't really know about that, but mm -hmm. this might be a gateway for somebody to watch that one minute video and then want to learn more and do that stuff. And yes. so, that's my end goal with all of this stuff is that there'll be collaboration between all the different committees and that information just gets out to more people. Um, even though there's a saturation of content now, but hopefully through PAS, people will find this valuable and then will want to join and get the other resources that are out there. Right. You know, I, I, what I've realized about that word content is that content is such a broad spectrum that you often see more bad content than good content mm. and so that in itself is a motivating factor for myself in a sense of like making sure the audio quality is good making sure that the you know the conversation is driven in a way that is interesting and doesn't ever stall out and so sure. what i've what i've noticed about about PAS's content is that it's very good. What I've noticed about Tapspace's content is that it's very good. You know, stuff mm. like that where the showcase of the material is presentable and it keeps you engaged, which I feel like somebody like Rob Knopper probably figured out, especially like recently when he's been doing videos. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know when the last time he's posted one, but you notice there's like a growth, just like there's a growth in somebody's playing, there's somebody's, sure. there's growth in the quality of content. And mm -hmm. What I've been talking about, in which is something that has become passionate to me, what I've been talking about is new media and percussion, mm. being that there needs to be more of a social media presence. There needs to be more podcasts. There needs to be more new media. What what kind of drives our society now is that is that content factor. 
everybody's on their phones. You're using your phone mm-hmm. in practice. You're using your phone out of practice. You're using right. um, you're using YouTube as a resource, but also as entertainment. So how do you combine the two? How do you combine entertainment with with actual useful information? Sure. Which is a little bit of it's it is a motivating factor and it is a goal of the podcast, but you know, getting to know the people that I would listen to like on Rogan or listen mm-hmm. to on on different podcasts, that was the most useful part of it, the most entertaining part of it. It's like, man, I I know who this person is. I know who Steven Tyler is, but like who really like who is he kind of thing. Right. And which is um something that was something that's a motivation not in every podcast but but um a lot of them and especially in the one that i did last week with alexander flood um a guy that has this huge social media presence like ten thousand followers great drum Mm -hmm. set player great african percussionist and um and like getting to know him is something that is some that to me is like i wouldn't if you get to know a person you know how their process is Mm -hmm. and so which is you could use this resource that you're creating as well to formulate some kind of um, personalities within percussion. So like, like you're doing a podcast with somebody like Caleb Pickering, you're like, man, this guy is intelligent. He's creative and he's fun. Mm-hmm. And so like you, you, you get to have like all these personalities come out through quality content, which I, I, I know I kind of went on a, on a, down a rabbit trail here, but you, you get what I'm saying. The, the mm-hmm. new media content and percussion is just getting better and better. Right. Um, something that I've been struggling with, um, I guess, as a professor um, is like how obviously we both think this is important that a new media figuring out how to record, um, yes. how to like you're, you've created your podcasts and uh, other people record videos and do a lot of different things. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to implement that into our curriculum somehow, because um, the problem is that we still need to learn how to play snare drum. We still need to learn how to play mounts. We still need to do all this other stuff, but it's now the 21st century with technology. How do we make sure that our students are competitive to go into the market? Whether if they, even if they get a um, high school teaching job, they may be working with a front ensemble who has a sound system. Right. Like, like how, how are they going to be ready? Like, cause I don't teach like, Hey, this is how you uh, mix a soundboard. Like when, like when do we have time to do that? And right. actually, um, I don't know if you've seen the university of North Alabama uh, with Tracy Wiggins. Um, they uh, last, I think last year or maybe the year before, I don't remember exactly. I may have just been last year. Um, they started a, I don't know the exact term, but a percussion specialist certificate. Uh, which is something that like for me might be like I'm interested in researching maybe implementing here Um, but at the same time like what do we take away from our curriculum or what classes do they not take so that they take these anyways what he's uh, done with that is that um, if you are wanting to teach mainly just drums or percussion not not the you're not a music education student is that you can take these uh, list of classes, I think it's like 18 hours or so, which is like um, stagecraft or shop, because like eventually you may be working with a marching band that needs props. And for some reason, mm. the percussion guy is part of the person that learns how to do that. You take audio um, editing or whatever, um, wow. video, not That's video editing, but like idea. mixing. Um, and so that if you do have to mix the front ensemble, that ends up 
on the percussionist, you're not teaching how to clean roles or musicality anymore. You're teaching mm-hmm. like how to make sure the balance of the oboe soloist is correct because right. you're now in charge of that, which I definitely agree. I think it's a great idea, but then I always, I, I always go back to the thought like, so if we take, if we need, if these skills are important, what are we taking away to make sure that fits in within their degree plan? Right. And so I, it um, depends, I guess it depends on, cause obviously this is aimed towards a person who is trying to do this on the side and like, which, which, is fine, it, it, especially in in the smaller school situation. I, it's almost like you can't you can't take away basic music theory. Mm-hmm. You can't take away at least two semesters of lessons. I think mm. to to at least build up the foundation, right? And then, um, it's not only what you take away, but what do you add? Do you add a do you add a a a marching band techniques class do you add mm. a do you add a marching percussion class do you add percussion methods right and or i guess do you not take it away almost but that's interesting i wonder if that's taken i wonder first of all i wonder how long they've been doing that i wonder how long it's going to take to get the perfect coursework right. lined out you know yeah i think th- i think it may have just started this semester Okay. Or last semester. I don't remember. I remember just presenting Last thing I remember is presenting it to my studio during studio class and talking about like, hey, this are some of the things that are going on. Um, but I guess my other side. So I think like we definitely need to add this so that they know. But at the same time, my other thinking is um, like people like yourself who's not, who are now doing this stuff. And like for me, like we talked about the website earlier. Mm-hmm. No, nobody told me how to make a website. Nobody told me how, yeah, which it can be a good or a bad thing. Um, But um, nobody told me how, like right now I'm doing the audio recordings. Nobody's teaching me how to do this. It's obviously still valuable, Mm -hmm. but if it's important enough, like my students will learn how to do it. Right. And so if they want to have that social media presence and have their own website and like record their own podcast, like you, they'll just end up doing it. Yeah. But then, there's still only a limited amount of hours per day. So there's still that issue of what aren't they doing so that they can do this other stuff that's still relevant in today's culture. Well, I wonder if it, I wonder if, well, I know like Brian Nosny, I know he, I know he is doing more recording pieces at McNeese. Like we, we didn't necessarily do a ton of that. Right. Okay. And I know UNT records a lot of their pieces. I know, I know uh, Nebraska, where Dave Hall is, Nebraska mm-hmm. Lincoln. They do a lot of recordings, so I wonder if they're they're integrating that process into the experience of percussion ensemble. Being like, okay, here's some basic recording techniques, and this is how we're going to use them in in percussion ensemble in this setting. But here, the basic recording techniques can happen anywhere else. Like for me, the, the reason the podcast started is because I simply just had an interest, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a the the main thing is knowing how the recording software works, how logic works or whatever you use or how an interface works, how how plugins work and how EQs, compressors, noise gates work and that to make it better, I guess well, the person's obviously going to be interested and driven by the passion, but um yeah, that was basically just self-interest there was there was no no kind of recording education in right uh, and you know if you if you look at if you look at somebody like unt or nebraska lincoln they could 
have a viable uh, audio engineering program and then they just do it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So you right. you really just don't know, I guess, unless you ask. But I know Brian, I know Brian probably has introduced some basic recording techniques through through those experiences he's done he's done with the McNeese guys now. So right, I guess that's one way to do it. Or you establish some kind of some kind of basic audio engineering class, but then you get to hire a specialist, and you know you get to hire the adjunct faculty. And sometimes there's just not money for right. that, and so. Um, Man, that's tough. I, 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 you can make it part of lessons, baby, um, <laughs> but then the, the professor has to know a lot too, and, and you know it's just in, on top of everything else. So it's just a, it's yeah. weird ways to work around it. Um, uh, I'm I, I'm on episode this is number thirty two now, mm-hmm. and so what feels like a lot of episodes in reality thirty two is really not that much, but each episode feels like like it feels like I've been doing it forever now just based on the experience of long form conversation making sure everything's running smoothly mm-hmm. through the recording um right now we're at an hour and 7 minutes so it's and it's flown by and it's like mm-hmm. you know stuff like that and you could easily miss like something's happened like that before with James Doyle's podcast and just stop recording and I'm just like oh wow what <laughs> you know so um learning stuff through that that experience it's i don't know how you incorporate it into a into a curriculum but i think it should be you know yeah it's definitely important but again my i guess a conflict is what do we take away right because there's only so much you can do within the four or five years local pedagogy long. take it away <laughs> well i the problem is that i can't change the curriculum for <laughs> the other degrees or for the main degrees and right. so I guess what I'm trying to do is just supplement it through studio class right. so that hopefully they just get interested in it. Um, we do have music business majors here. And so there is a recording person um, or like a sound person that come or a sound engineer that comes in and teaches that class. Right. But some of those students don't need to take that class because they're music ed or performance majors. They may want to, but now, I don't know, maybe they'll learn it somehow. Maybe they'll learn on their own. It's mm-hmm. just hard. And then I guess a good example that something that I'm jealous of is Cameron Leach, his social media game. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you follow him. I do not. Online. Yeah. So his social media game is just ridiculous. Um, kind of like Josh Jones, the, the, the kind of younger guys with yeah. um, all the stuff that they do online. Um, but if you check out both their websites, it's just, it's ridiculous. Everything's set up. They have the press kit going on. Um, they have a bunch of recordings of everything uh, going on for them. They're always doing things. I know Cameron uh, started a blog recently. Elsie started his own podcast too um, within the last year year or so. Cameron Legion podcast. Yeah. yeah, and so it's just crazy that um, they have these skills that obviously I don't know if they had they learned it when they were in school or they just saw the need like you saw the need for this podcast because you were interested in it to hopefully get more information out. Right. But it's, just, it's just ridiculous that in order to stay competitive and hopefully my students will be competitive and they'll get jobs because we train them well, but they now need to do all these other things on top of it um, besides just playing drums really, really well. So yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's definitely something that I need to figure out still. I have never heard of this guy, but he, already yeah. from looking at his instagram it's like okay these are quality pictures mm-hmm. and i'm sure the podcast is quality too i'll have to give it a listen and maybe reach out to him as well the um yeah. 
Yeah, man. I mean, like this, but this is the thing, though. This is what I'm talking about. Like, not a ton of people know. Well, at least I didn't know. I didn't. I. I didn't know about his stuff, but now I do. Mm-hmm. And um. Yeah, he's he's got good stuff. That's awesome. For sure. But at least there's there's, um. Like we're getting the ball rolling. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Like there's. I'm fine with there being more podcasts. I'm not not competitive. In the, there's room for everybody in the podcast world. I mean, come on. Sure, for sure. I mean, uh, the amount of comedians that have successful podcasts is ridiculous. And all they do is they just have each other on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, sure. Um, it's uh, I'm 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 glad we're moving in this direction. I I told Caleb that too. I'm just I'm I'm happy it's it's happening. So, hundred mm-hmm. percent. The um, I want to well I first of all thank you for doing this uh taking time on your Saturday in the middle of the semester I can only thank you so much for that because I know uh, how busy it gets. Yeah, my weekly schedule is like literally jam packed, and so finding any time during the week is just really really hard. Yeah. So thanks well, for doing it on Saturday too. Do yeah, hundred percent. Um, the. Think about doing it. Um, the thing about doing it on Saturdays is like it's it, it becomes like kind of like a hang, you know. Like at this point, it's Zoom hang. But if we were in person, it'd, you know, it'd be a hang, and it's 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 a good hang, <laughs> you know. What I'm saying? For sure. Um, is there is there anything you wanted to plug? Is there? Um, I guess just PASIC coming up. Um, yeah. And and so definitely PASIC is a little bit different this year since we're not in Indy. Um, but hopefully you've seen the line or people have gone to the PASIC.org website and seen the lineup of artists. They actually came out with the schedule yesterday of when they, um, when the different sessions will be. And I think most of the sessions are half an hour to 45 minutes and they're in blocks of time so that hopefully you can catch a block, but obviously um, you can go or watch whatever and in and out because you're watching it from the convenience of your own home or phone or whatever. Right. Um, but, but the coolest thing that, um, and so actually one of my students, former students is now working for PAS. And so I, I get to talk to her all the time about oh, stuff. Really? And yeah. Um, so Allison Mitchell is now the programs coordinator uh, for PAS. She interned with them a few years ago and then decided to hire her on. And so she's been doing great stuff. And actually it was funny because yesterday our, uh, I guess Fridays at around like I think two o'clock or three o'clock, um, they're giving away a basic badge for 2021. And oh. so yes, yesterday, um, Joshua Simons was busy and couldn't do the giveaway. And so she did it. And it was funny. I was texting her afterward and that she did a great job. And I told her that she has a career in game show hosting. <laughs> so she, she was so excited and enthusiastic and everything. Yeah. Um, um, but anyways, um, I've been talking to her about um, what, what they're going to do. Um, but this, even though COVID happened and now conferences are online, um, there have been conferences pre-COVID that have already done online stuff. And so they found a platform that will work well for PASIC. It's just not another Zoom where everyone just kind of goes on and watches something. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be interactive. Uh, there's going to be an exhibit hall um, that you can talk to different vendors and like do things and like do product demonstration and stuff like that. Um, wow. There's definitely going to be some, like, I know for the education side, the fundamentals uh, sessions is that there'll be a Q&A at the end of each session so that um, they'll obviously present the material, just like as if you were at PASIC, but again, you're sitting at home. Yeah. Um, 
And so hopefully, uh, I guess everyone who's listening or is interested in PAS, obviously you can uh, go to the conference even though you're not a PAS member, but it is a little bit cheaper. I know for students, it's $50. So hopefully my students will listen to this, even though I tell them every week at studio class, hey, PASIC's coming up, make sure you <laughs> pay for it or, like, and join because it's pretty cheap compared to if we were to actually go to Indy. In person, yeah. In person, that costs way so much money. Um, yeah. Especially the hotels. The, the hotels. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, ju- I mean, just to read off a few of the artists that are going to be there, uh, David Garibaldi. Mm. Uh, hello. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gavin Harrison. Mm. Um, Brian Fraser Moore. Emmanuel Sejourn. Uh, Dr. Brad Meyer. And yeah, there's, there's some really great Donald Barrett. Tony Lyman's doing a clinic on marching, yeah. marching stuff. Yeah. So uh, I know um, when, when they realized PASIC was going to move online, I remember Joshua Simons uh, put, a, uh, put a post out on Facebook saying, um, who would you want to hear a clinic from? Because now everything's wide open. We can right. have any, anybody like do their own clinic, uh, live stream from home or record from home. And so I remember I wrote on there like Carter Beaufort or Gary Burden and something like that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I haven't looked too close to the list. I don't think those guys made the cut. But just think about like uh, David Garibaldi. That like that's crazy. I don't know if if we were able ever able to get him to pace like because he's probably too busy touring around. Right. Um, but now we can get him to share his knowledge with us at a virtual pace. Like. Yeah. So, Definitely yeah. something that everyone should definitely try to, uh, if you're a percussion enthusiast or professional, uh, amateur, whatever, um, definitely I would try to attend. And I think they also have, um, these sessions will be recorded. So if you're watching and then you have to go away because you have to do something for a while, you can watch those sessions later on. But I think that's only for PASIC attendees, not just open for PAS members. Right. So. I mean, it's a... It's a sick lineup. It's it's an awesome lineup. There's going to be a lot of good information being shared. Um, I'm I'm attending. So nice. The because uh, I had such a great time in Indy last year that like I the the first basic I went to was 2015 San Antonio because mm. it was so mm. close at the time and that was such an awesome experience. I was like, man, I have mm-hmm. to I have to go as much as I can. And um, being in Indy last year, it was cold, um, <laughs> but uh, it was still an awesome experience the uh and there's ways to get around it too as far as like hotel experiences go you can get an airbnb with a bunch of buddies right. too and this is for 2021 uh right. so if you guys are making plans there's ways to get around it um the airbnb was super cheap it was like 30 bucks for me and i and it was like four nights so nice um, yeah we it was a little bit further from the convention center but we made it work and um but yeah there there's <laughs> It's a pretty sweet lineup this year, and there was last year too. So, especially if you're a drum set guy, Mm -hmm. um, and if you're a keyboard percussionist, there's there's a lot of good stuff. Let's uh, Tony Lyman's awesome too. He did a little work with us. Sandy Rennick's doing it, I think as well. Um, Tony Lyman did a lot of work with us at Stars, so he's he's awesome. He's great. Cool, man. Well, uh, again, I uh, no. Oh, did it? Did it log? Did it? Connection drop? Yeah, for a second, but it's all right. I think I got the gist of what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. I was just saying there's 
a lot of great clinics, Tony Lyman and Sandy Rink and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. for the marching world. But uh, yeah, man, I appreciate I appreciate the time. I really do. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, look look forward to I guess listening to more of your podcasts and seeing who you have on. I'm actually uh, I guess the very first podcast I was on was Pete's Percussion Podcast. I don't know if you've listened to him or followed him. And he does mm-hmm. pretty much the same thing you're doing. It's pretty much just a conversation and yeah. talking about the uh, talking about the the person, their background, where they came from, and yeah. a bunch of different topics. And so um, I've always wanted to start my own podcast as well. And obviously, you're doing a great job. But thanks, man. Again, do you have everything in? So. Sorry, you dropped for a sec. Go ahead, say that again. I was saying you're doing a great job. I wish I was doing one too. Oh so, yeah, <laughs> with the podcast, okay, man. There's room for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't have time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're you're so. you're being Dr. Molina. So yeah, um, it's a lot of fun. I I enjoy doing it, and you know, who knows where it's gonna go. But um, in any case, I'm I'm having a lot of fun, and maybe I can just provide some kind of uh outlet for people and provide some entertainment on the side and some information uh being shared as well so the sure. uh, yeah it's a lot of fun but uh and i have great guests come on like yourself and, and that's what makes it even more fun so the, for sure. uh, yeah 100 well uh you can you can find oliver uh at his uh website is olivermolina.com you can find me at my website heartwelldrums.com and you can find him on Facebook, on the PAS uh, social media stuff. Um, you can find him at PASIC when you're there and ask him a bunch of questions that pertain <laughs> to pertain to PAS because he loves talking about it. And uh, you can ask him questions about his son because his son's adorable. And the, um, <laughs> the, <laughs> you can ask him yeah, questions about Natchitoches and why it's spelled that way. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it's no Florida, I will tell you that, but it's... Um, <laughs> still a cool town well thanks man i appreciate it all right thanks josh yeah 100 uh follow us on at my instagram heartwell drums and you can listen to us on spotify apple podcast all streaming platforms that you listen to a podcast on make sure you subscribe rate and review and that's it for this one we'll see you next time